1: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels. And do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.
2: In this podcast, we're going to talk frankly but sensitively about some tough issues, including sexual abuse, drugs, and suicide. If you or someone you know is suicidal, in the U.S., dial 988. Check out this podcast notes page for information on LGBT plus mental health resources in your community.
3: Welcome to this bonus episode of Shattering the System. I'm Sonari Glinton. Ed Buck is currently serving his 360-month sentence in federal prison. That's 30 years. And it's effectively a life sentence. Now, the reason that we wanted to do this podcast in the first place was we didn't think that Ed Buck was an anomaly. And we wanted to do something different with this episode. So often, these kind of true crime podcasts aren't made by the communities that are being covered. So we thought we'd gather a group of gay men from the community that Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean were a part of in Los Angeles. And after spending so much time thinking about the darkest parts of gay black life in the city, we were looking for something a little more hopeful. So a few weeks ago, I sat down with an amazing group of young men. They are all gay, black, out, and in various ways, a part of the ballroom community that we heard about in earlier episodes of this show. So we're gonna start off getting an understanding of the effects the death of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean had on gay black men who come to Los Angeles hunting for a dream. And in the second part of the show, we'll hear from the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation. We'll hear why some victims' stories captured the imagination of the media and why black victims often don't. But first, my conversation with a group of young men who are part of the ballroom scene with a connection to the victims of Ed Buck. If we can go around the table and have each of you mm-hmm. just quickly introduce yourself, your mm-hmm. name and your ballroom name, maybe that is a good thing to start with.
4: My name is Callie Daquan, and I am now a 007 in the ballroom scene.
5: That's exclusive. <laughs> that's an exclusive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> hey. Hello, I am V. Roman Woods. I go by Rome Ebony in the ballroom scene. Hello world,
6: for the few who might not know, I am the ever-legendary Byron Keaton. On the Kiki scene, I am in the international iconic house of Juicy Couture. And on the mainstream scene, I am in the international hall of fame house of Miyake Mugler. I will never forget that the second death had happened around... uh, my time just moving to Los Angeles. And that was actually the first protest I attended with community members.
3: So the second death was Timothy Dean. And so you would, you went to a protest, where was that?
6: Yeah, this was actually in West Hollywood outside of Airbox Home. Okay. With this is when we knew for sure that the community it was out of hand and we knew that this was beyond intention that this was a monster we were dealing with, right? I have friends that did the documentary as well. so. I'm very familiar with this case, and to me, <coughs> this was also uh, dark reality. As you were even mentioning in your clip, that I knew that Los Angeles was another place, so there was another battle that you had to fight outside of being the dream seeker, writer, coming here to live the life of your dreams. But this was something else, that, uh, another barrier that was now in place.
3: Mm-hmm. Help me unpack that. Would you? Yeah. You. Use, like the LA thing is separate, like being. So there's the dream of being in LA, yes, and then there's being black and gay in LA,
6: and the reality of that, right? So even for example, uh, Tim was at the time I was uh, a seat filler, professional audience goer, all that, and he was too. We were in the same agency, SRO, standing room only. Um, so this was also a coworker. Right, um, which is when, and most things, as we all know, the world is so vast, da 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 da, but nothing really hits you until it hits home when it's uh, when it's in proximity, right? So.
5: When it when that hit, that's when I knew that I had to stand up. Yeah. I was highly sought after by people like Ed Buck, by like predatory people, and by people that had good intentions. You know, whenever somebody sees something fresh in any in any arena, um, they gravitate to it and they want to see what it's about.
6: Same coming to Los Angeles, I really didn't throw myself into like dating. Mm-hmm. It's actually recent, more recent for me.
4: And then as black men in general, I think we're fetishized like as, as a stereotype too. Um, um, based off of our physical features, what we pack in um, the girth to the earth. yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Just the the muscles, the strong. Like I think we're just fetishized as a as a whole. I mean, you
5: there's predators come in any shape, form, color. You can be fetishized for your youth. I was 19 when I moved out here. There's people that enjoy calling me son. I have a lot of, my best friends have dated interracially.
6: I've never, right? So um, they have come and told me dirt horror stories about, especially how most of those relationships end. I've had another friend who at one point was partying and he told me how, they were engaging in intercourse, and the guy did ask him to kind of put a bump, which is, I believe, cocaine or crack. Mm, right? I'm, I'm a sober Susie. I'm the friend that don't smoke. I don't drink. I'm the designated driver. I was a church girl. I was all that. So I do get my education from my friends and through culture, right? So he were telling me how, like, the guy ended up even sneaking some on his condom at one point just so you know because, you know, that enhances the high. So hearing all these stories, like you said, having— Coming to L.A. knowing it to be La La Land and everything being so, you know, Mm -hmm. cupcakes and slushies then having to realize that these are the hard realities Mm -hmm. of having survival sex with my community.
3: Right. You know, and I'm going to, since you uh, talked about coming here, why don't we play the clip, which is from uh, Jamel's diary. So Mm it's like we hear Jamel's words.
4: I pray that I can just get my life together and make it make sense. I help so many people, but I can't seem to help myself. I honestly don't know what to do. I become addicted to drugs? <laughs> and the worst one at that. Ed Buck is the one to think. He gave me my first injection of crystal meth. It was painful. But after all the troubles, I became addicted to the pain and the fantasy. You can
3: hear the pain and anguish. Jamel did the best he possibly could to break his addiction. You know, I got to say, it's not just the fact that Ed Buck introduced Jamel to slamming that's so appalling or the way he treated his victims. It was the illusion that he cared about them. There are so many gay white men who I've run into who say shit like, I'm not racist. I love black men or I only date black men. But then every single part of how they act dehumanizes black men. I'm 100%. No, I'm actually a thousand percent sure that Ed Buck said that he loved black men. But here's the thing. Ed Buck paid black men to do crystal meth so that he could take pictures of them in underwear. He wasn't really interested in sex necessarily, but he paid to humiliate and torture black men. For instance, he paid them to let him call them nigger. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. Wow. Um, wow. What a cutoff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, the crazy nonsense that white yeah. men have said to me in this town mm-hmm. yeah. in relation to sex. And I'm wondering when you hear about, you know, yet an Ed Buck's fetish for black men, what, what experiences or what thoughts do you have when
5: you hear that? Hmm. Um, this is Rome speaking. When you survive, you, you, you do. is Survival is a, a, <laughs> survival's a hell of a thing. You know, I can't speak for them, but I've definitely been approaching the club and told, you know, hey, I'll give you this amount for this and that. On dating apps, um, I'm Jen, you know. Um, when you walk in West Hollywood, it's the hooting and the hollering and the grabbing and the groping. Uh, it, it's it's the catcalling and the grooming from your elders, even in the black community. It's the offering of drugs. Um, it's the offering of family when all you want is to fuck. Um, it's uh, so many things. Predators are in a, a plenty you know so i it's just it's so many things
4: me personally callie speaking i didn't come across like fetishization um, by people until I was on these social apps like Jagged Grinder didn't last that long but the (laughs) (laughs) times like I will only experience this kind of stuff like people messaging me about like my BBC Mm -hmm. or um, blacks only in their profile and they're a whole white person or BBC only or it wasn't until like honestly I got out here that I realized that it was actually a thing. So what does it feel like when you're in West Hollywood and someone's like... I don't like West, Uh, personally
6: speaking. Go ahead, Yeah, uh, this is Byron speaking. Um, Same. So I realize historically I've always had a uh, gift to foster community, so I only go where I feel community, right? Uh, I only technically go to West Hollywood on Black Night, which is our only two nights of showcasing, which is Thursday, (coughs) with BBE and Sunday, right? So uh, I'm intentional. If there is not a black space in West Hollywood or a black showcasing, or not being there. Uh, outside of that, because I have, you know, been out any other nights, it does feel overwhelming. Uh, I do feel like a fish out of water. Uh, like I said, just kind of socially. Now, let's be clear. I have a few eateries and a few like so lifestyle-wise, <laughs> I do enjoy West Hollywood. <laughs> Shout out to that fro-yo that just closed, all that, you know, um... I love the ice cream but socially mm-hmm. uh, in that yeah like, and I would I would not go out there
4: WeHo that. has been Callie speaking here WeHo has been like the area where I run into the most ignorant white people mm-hmm. um, especially but well I can't even call them bush Queens the white gay people <laughs> um, and that's just What's bush the, Queen, oh.
3: You're
4: Butch Queen? Butch Queen is a ballroom term for a gay male Yeah um, Yeah not yeah basically and um, yeah WeHo I don't like the energy of it just because of like just like, for example, I can be walking down the street um, and see Byron or just another brother in general. And, like, where I'm from the South. It's like, we speak. If I look you in your eye, we're going to speak to each other. When I'm in WeHo, it's daggers. Like, mm. especially when it comes from, like, white gay males. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it racism or anything like that. I do honestly feel like it's, a, it's just a cultural difference because like I'm from the South. These people are probably raised in the suburbs of wherever they're from, you know. And they are cut from a different cloth. I tend to think it's a black thing I say this Mm -hmm. all the time it's like when like
3: half the world's problems would be Mm -hmm. solved if white people understood that when a black person looks at you in the face and says hello you're supposed to fucking respond
4: that is is, I've lived in
3: five (laughs) cities in 15 years and that is no matter where I go I'm like hey how you doing and they're like Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I mean, we hope majority of that time. Happens. But, 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 but when you what you're in, but you had to have experiences. Mm-hmm. So like what were the experiences that
4: led you to have this opinion about West Hollywood? Social events, like gay events, um, prides that I'll go to. Where do you find your community?
5: Ballroom yeah, ball Wherever be- we make it Yeah Like real, real talk Even in like The black straight community We're ostracized <clears> And <throat> there's like This stigma against us That we're gonna be loud And belligerent And flamboyant And that's okay if we are Because that's our truth And we have a right to our truth Just like They have a right to theirs So we've been creating space Wherever the fuck we can Like it's It's like A, a constant War just to be ourselves and to have a safe space, um, especially for queer people of color. Like, there is no designated area for us. We're always visitors in somebody else's shit. Like, literally, when we leave, the white gays come in. And I say white gays, like, I, I, this is, I'm not a prejudiced person or anything like that, but there is a clear shift um, with how they're treated. With how they're approached with certain things, um, uh, there's just a, a clear, a clear shift. Like it's, it's, it's crazy almost.
6: But yeah, also adding value. This is Byron speaking. Adding value to that point, um, which is another reason why I have to ballroom for that. Mm-hmm. I do feel that ballroom is the nucleus. Uh, queer fellowship, especially for the black, see me black and brown mm-hmm. uh, group. let's be clear. Uh, and that's well, all I've known historically. Um, right. And even in those classes, even at the functions, right. being amongst the girls is where I usually tend to vibe. So also taking accountability in the context of we hold, I find my comfort in home with black and brown bodies. So that's who I tend to fellowship with, which is why when I don't see that or a nice amount of that, I am, or I find, there's, I'm uncomfortable, right? So, uh, And I don't put myself through that uncomfort. So I tend to only curate mostly ballroom spaces or black and brown queer spaces for that us to create a safety net.
4: Um, Callie speaking, I kind of also do feel like racism still kind of plays a major part in that too. It's just very hidden. Like it's not out in the air, you know. I do feel like is hidden. Yeah, where well, 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 are really well, it at? Yeah. Not necessarily <laughs> hidden, because it's in plain sight. But I feel like there's Black Night for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. you like, know, like the why would they are even have to be an urban night in mm-hmm. WeHo? You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like that should already drawn. let you know what kind of what kind of space that WeHo well, was for designed yeah. for. The lines you know, are but, clearly
5: drawn. It's yeah. kind of a- apparent. This
3: is Shattering the System. More from my conversation about being black and gay in Los Angeles with members of L.A.'s ballroom community.
1: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.
2: AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. AT&T.
3: So one of the more interesting interviews that I did was with Lelo Query, who's mm-hmm. Ed Buck's lawyer, yeah. black man in uh, NAACP. You know, when at the an NAACP, and I always think when I talk to him or hear him that he is a version of me. Mm. Like I, like we are <laughs> almost the same age. Yeah, we went to the same type of school, just like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he went to Beverly Hills high went to a fancy school in Chicago the whole thing mm-hmm. bus yeah. all of those things and i the transition that i almost want to make is in hearing about this is there any do you, how do you see
4: ed buck in this is there any empathy is there any like so what? callie speaking um i don't have empathy for him i could say i I wouldn't even have sympathy for him to be honest, but I do feel like everybody makes a choice and everybody Mm -hmm. has a is it was responsible for their own decision. So me putting myself in the victim shoes, if I know that I'm homeless right now, or if I know that I'm looking for shelter or any kind of like um, resources, and I'm getting on these apps. To look for it, you know what I'm saying? Anything can happen out of that. Like, I'm yeah. literally signing up for anything that can come out of this. Yeah, but, yeah. I think, yeah. And, like, I can't put all the blame on... I wouldn't put all the blame on him. I do but I do feel like he is monstrous yeah. for the... Okay. For but, but come, come, like, mm-hmm. speak up.
5: Yeah, okay. I think the word we're looking for for Ed Buck is pity. I pity him. I feel sorry that uh, a being would stoop so low um as to inject other human beings with drugs and, and embarrass them everybody has their own fetishes and their own things that they're into hey i don't yuck anybody's yum mm. um but when that yum is poisonous and disastrous and tainted and carnal and evil and vile i don't i don't i don't have empathy for you cuz i can't put myself in your shoes I, that's just not that's not what i can do and for the victims For the people, for the young men that walked into those rooms and that allowed that to happen. I can empathize with them. Mm-hmm. I I can I can empathize with them because I've been a young man that was broke. I I've ran out of Ralphs with chicken my freaking freshman year here because I was so broke. Like so, I can understand when somebody says, "Hey, I'll give you a thousand more dollars." You know how much a thousand dollars is to somebody that ha- somebody that has nothing. Do you know how much a hundred dollars is to somebody <laughs> that has nothing? Like yeah,
6: well uh, I don't. I Byron Keaton, do not pity Ed Buck or. Uh, Advertise, but I, I do I, don't I love your yeah but um, my thing is he's the poster child of what do we I think most fear when we enter those spaces of allowing intercourse or mm-hmm. fetish play with white men that uh, he is the uh, peak of that the mm-hmm. pinnacle in my eyes mm-hmm. but yeah so no
3: do you see him I mean I sort of see him as I always in, in, a, in, a, in a in a hot moment mm-hmm. talking to somebody it was like oh you're like, this is just a continuum. You're like, Ed Buck is on a continuum. by yeah, so and, and you're right, mm-hmm. you're not that far away. You see so, what I'm
6: saying? Yeah, like, yeah. so that's why to me, I like, love black men. That's yeah, what it,
3: it's like. Th- yeah. yeah. Yeah.
6: To like, any, by any means, means
5: necessary. By any means necessary. But
6: concluding that thought, yeah, I do I do not. Um, he's, to me, I could say he's the, alter, he's the leader of what we fear mm-hmm. the fetish to be, especially mm-hmm. in the community. And especially in a place like Los Angeles, where people look at this place for the fantasy, for the life enhancement that it
4: is, right? right.
6: So yeah, to me he's
4: And it can uh, be. It definitely like Los Angeles can be, like I said, I feel like it all depends on the choices you make yes. personally for yourself.
3: Yeah.
6: Mm. I love Los Angeles.
4: Well you know it's funny, I was I was
3: I used to think that life was your choices. Like, oh no. well, I decided to move to LA or blah blah blah. But then mm. you reali- then I started to realize like, oh no. Like I was just like, I was, I was in the river. Yeah. That was moving along. I
5: love
3: that. (laughs) It's just like, oh, I didn't choose to be in LA. I didn't choose not to do this. Like a lot of these choices were set in front of me as if they were choices.
5: Mm. Like you can equate that to like a a young a young man, a nineteen year old man, just say for instance, going into a man like Ed Buck's house and him saying, Hey, I'll give you like a hundred more dollars. I'm hungry. You know, he's hungry. What is the choice that he has there? I can either eat and take these drugs, because I know I'm strong. I'm nineteen. I can take on the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna get addicted to this. I'm gonna do these drugs and I'm going to get this money I'm going to eat, you know, so that's just, that's the choices that they were dealt. I just heard what you said and I was like, wow, that's the same thing that happened to them, they just got caught up in the stream mm. um, kind of a, a decision that was made for them already
4: I would, I would disagree because I still feel like um like even if me, for example putting myself in a situation where I need $100 to get some food or mm-hmm. something like that, like Knowing what's about to be put into my body, I was still fight between: Is this val? Do I value this to get what I need to get? Right.
5: Yeah. So, Same here, but. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, some people, I'm blessed. I'm, yeah, I'm privileged. Yeah, some people come from different yeah, backgrounds. Yeah. So I can only, yeah. That's and why I said I can only empathize. Mm. I can only put myself in that. In so he shoes.
4: was feasting on the vulnerable. I feel like people who are in that situation are super vulnerable and mm-hmm. probably don't know no other way out and got to do what they got to do. Like I said, I've
5: definitely run out of
4: Ralph's with some chicken because I <laughs> yeah.
5: didn't want to ask for
3: well, But Ralph what about empathizing me. or your feeling about the victim? I mean, you said you've oh, been in that oh, situation. Yeah. but yeah. What? Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah, because probably because they look like me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I know how it, like, I know how it feels to be broke. I know how it feels to be faced with a decision that feels like, but some people don't have the willpower. Right. Or some people don't have, like. wherewithal. Yeah, to be able to make those kind of decisions.
6: Also, too, like I said, I've seen so many different situations, and this is Byron speaking, where um, it also depends on the thrill that they're chasing. Because, I like, I had a friend where he was a privilege, right? Um, but I realized he had a—Jones for stealing. Like, he would take things—he mm-hmm. got a thrill of taking stuff out of the store without paying for it. Mm-hmm. And he had money. We all had money. And, like, I even had to tell him, so that brought discomfort to me. If we're going to be friends, like, mm-hmm. you walking out, and I don't know if somebody's chasing after me because mm-hmm. this is your thrill, right? And even knowing uh, one of the victims who had passed and just knowing his ambition when we would be out on set— not knowing how, like, sometime, which is why I'm also protective in ballroom spaces. What the leaders teach, because uh, I do know how some youth are, are, are taught to sell their bodies uh, in certain spaces or certain mentors. Like, this is kind of what you got to get used to, right? in. no, it's you don't always have to. You, you do have to. People power have of told you. Oh, I, yes, this is yes. Oh people, the girl, you? You, you'll be surprised. This are is you why kidding me? The, no, 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 no. We're, we want to really speak to the horrors. Go ahead, brother. Oh Please. my god. No
5: shade. Oh no Oh that's no. a real that's world That's like a common thing Like it's still happening right now Yeah. When I first came out here It was like Oh no You're selling some dick Like you hey, Want a haircut Oh yeah Oh you like to smoke weed Oh wow Who knew food costs money You came out here on a scholarship But it's so Like you're asking your mom for everything How manly is that Like you know <laughs> You knew you can make your own money This is like, It's easy Just come hang out with me You know Okay You end up in one hotel room One steak then another state another hotel room okay that was some quick money that was easy i didn't have to do nothing i didn't have to do too much of nothing i didn't have to give too much of myself mm. and then uh, you 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 leave pieces of yourself in different area codes and so, realize you're like shambles or like literally a fraction of your former self mm. well that's a good time to play this uh, clip
3: can i tell you that one of the most surreal things is to hear the lawyer for ed buck getting misty-eyed about gay Black men. I talked to Query for two hours in downtown Hollywood. Aside from defending that buck, because that's mm-hmm. your job. Yes. What do you say to the, the young man who's moving to West Hollywood, the Jamel Moore of today, the young person who comes to Hollywood, what advice do you give to that young person
7: who's arriving today? The LA's a jungle. You gotta be careful. I would just, you know, hope that you don't get involved in anything that involves you, you know, doing drugs. Because that's just a bad, it's a cliche path in Hollywood. It's a, it's a LA cliche. And it just leads to nothing good. And you matter. You matter. The vigor with which you defend it, Mr. Mm-hmm.
3: Buck. Do you think that that sends the message to gay black men that they matter?
7: I I think that I uh, in in doing my job and this again is the the this is where you compartmentalize as a lawyer. This is what makes <laughs> this is one of the hard parts about being a lawyer, and what's so unique about being a lawyer is you have to compartmentalize because all. I had to focus on defending my client. I I, I couldn't um, focus on the message I was sending to young gay black men.
3: Well,
4: <laughs>
7: oh, thank you. when he calls LA a jungle, is he right?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. Because there are so many different things that you can get yourself into that can you know, come to a different outcome, that can lead to a different outcome, honestly.
6: Yeah. I went... Like I said, that was beautiful language because I had not envisioned it as a jungle. I would say more so of a maze. But when he said jungle, I did see the marriage of uh, jungle and a maze. To be honest, so but yeah, he is right
5: in that context for sure. Hmm.
3: So if L. A. is a jungle, what lessons have you learned from the jungle?
5: L. A. is a jungle, and he's a vulture. Um, He gnarled on the carcass of black gay men's plights and then acted like it didn't matter. Um, You used very big words, and it was very beautiful to listen to L.A. as a jungle.
4: Okay, and you're defending a tiger. Uh, This is Callie speaking. Uh, A few things that I've learned in L.A., Um, not everybody is your friend. Um, You are who you hang around and um, it's super easy to get thrown off track. Mm-hmm.
6: Yes, and with this, mm-hmm. so funny you say that because one of the lessons that I, Byron, have learned is that I remember when I first got here, I saw a lot of friends get chased out of here. Actually, mm-hmm. but then the they first three back. weeks, and I realized what distinguished me from them was my focus. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the focus and your intention on why you out here, making sure you keep that at the forefront of everything. Yeah. Right? And to me, that's how you t- will navigate not only the jungle but your own personal definition of fulfillment. Of what Success is yeah. and finding it out here.
5: And that that gentleman is a pure example of yeah. um everybody black ain't your brother. It everybody that, that, that you feel Amen. should share the same values and ideals that you do just does not. Okay? So that's just something to accept. What about the police? What about it? <laughs> what about the police?
6: Now, now mm. let, me, I, let me speak. I have a lens on this. Um because
3: oh hold on now. You have yeah. you have a, you have a <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is funny to me. Yeah. So please tell me about the police. So you have a specific lens? Let's be
6: clear. Just, I want <laughs> I only because this is a distinguishment, I come from St. Louis, you know, I come from the Ferguson era okay. of Mike Brown, right? Mm-hmm. So coming from like a St. Louis where we are taught to not even fear the police, but actually like stay away. I think that's a black thing, period, to uh, stay away and disconnect from the police, but um, my experiences in Los Angeles have been quite different. Yeah. Um, I like I've I I no I well, I'm gonna knock on this table. But like um I haven't been pulled over out here, like no shit. like it's it's really been pleasant compared to where I come from, if that makes sense, right? Uh still just knowing culturally, you know, you don't fuck with the police, yeah. let's be clear, come on. Mm-hmm. But um coming from from I'm from in my Anthony Hamilton voice, uh it's been distinguished. Um from St. Louis and coming out here. So, but go
3: ahead. But what about, the, is there a difference between, say, how you feel in West Hollywood or other places? You're 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 laughing. You're like, you have a different... It's, no, it's, or tell it's me.
5: great. Everybody's so nice. In LA, oh, is that sarcastic? The police are no. so nice. Oh, my God. They pull you over and they're so nice.
3: One of the moments during the podcast that I thought was interesting, I interviewed the former mayor of West Hollywood, and we mm. talked about the sheriff's police. Were you satisfied with the sheriff's department when you were uh, in the city?
8: I think that the sheriff's department um, in many ways did a great job and in many ways uh, was very challenged um, to have a city of 36,000 people um, that could on any given night quadruple just because of who was coming in to go to the nightlife. Um, That makes your... Uh, your job and your responsibilities very difficult. Um, It's not like you're uh, patrolling a bedroom community of 36,000 people um, that, you know, goes to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. But I will also say because of that, they had to be prepared for a different kind of experience. And um, I think there were ways that the department fell short in terms of the expectations of the community um, as it related, especially to, to cultural competency.
3: And so, the, and there there's no like, oh, in order to come to West South, like in my mind, there would be like, oh, there is... This sort of special training, or maybe I want to know this, or but there's none of that. And you, you shake, you shook your head.
8: Requirements? No. There, uh, there was discussion that certain trainings happened, and I asked that question um, at a public meeting, and um, I, I just asked. Uh, someone from the station who was a sergeant. Um, what sort of training he had had um, as it related to uh, LGBTQ plus cultural competency, and he said that he had been trained on the flags. <laughs> <laughs> wow. that was literally his answer.
3: Oh, trained on the the, the flags,
8: th- literally the flags. That was his answer. And so, like pride flags. He didn't even say pride flags. He just said the flags. So. Um, When that is an answer that you get from a sheriff, sergeant, who is dedicated to the West Hollywood station, it is troubling to think that not everyone at the station could receive the kind of training one might expect in order to properly serve the LGBTQ plus community and keep people safe.
3: Someone want to respond?
4: Yeah, it's it's quite startling. Um, that uh, a, sh- a sh- chief or a sheriff... sheriff uh, sergeant is what you said. Sergeant yeah. is the least knowledgeable about LGBTQ or the community that he's serving or that they're serving. But it goes <coughs> to show you how much inequality that not only our community, ha- the LGBT community have, but the black LGBT community have as, as well.
6: And then this goes to other concerns where... Uh, I've been blessed to have officers in my family and uh, know about different things about people who speak to police reform, right? And that's this theory that most officers should also uh, patrol or work in their, like, jurisdiction in which they live just so they're knowledgeable about the community in which they serve. So when I heard those sentiments, I thought of that and just saw how I see why that's such a theory, how that could lead to success. Because, like, he's saying how even she just said Mind you, we, more than 50% of our population is the LGBTQI plus, I'm like, are you serious? So that that really struck that theory to me most importantly.
3: One of the interesting things is is this, like, lack of understanding just in general yeah. from law enforcement about queer folks. I mean, have you had run-ins? You were talking about being in WeHo, having run But I'm just, I'm thinking, you know, being dressed a different way, or like that, like I'm trying to get to the question about s- safety and being
5: out and being black and queer. Mm-hmm. So, I feel safer when I look more feminine. please. Yes,
6: yeah.
5: why is that? Because I know that they're scared of being caught uh either a racist or a homophobe, yep. they're so scared of it, so they try to stay as far away from it as possible. But if I'm just you know, normally like with sweats and a t shirt. There's a nine times out of ten chance that something is going to go down. If something in my area happens and I match the description, they're going to stop me. Just, you know, because based off how I look. But if I'm feminine, they're like, he didn't rob that bank. You know, yep. there's no way he broke into that car in a, a 10-inch heel.
6: And, like, I, I know this to be true because a similar experience back in St. Louis, uh, there was a robbery that happened at a wing stop that we would frequent near one of the uh, major universities back mm-hmm. home. And uh, there was an officer, a legit police officer, because they were having so many robberies on campus. Uh, we I started to be a rapport with, so I went into the dialogue, uh, and I told him, put me in the scenario. And, of course, anyone who knows me is that I'm usually nicely dressed on. I love a blouse and a blazer. Okay. And um, for let's be clear. Even now, I have a little cute... Ooh, 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 if you guys can see my chest open. all oh, that cute. No shade. <laughs> but um, he told me that... Because you are black and quick like how you look and how you I do you put intention on how you look, I would not I would no say type be. I would not like yeah, I would not profile you. Mm-hmm. But if you walked in right now, you could have even had the gun on you, right? right. <laughs> he said no, but and you can say like he told me just because I was black and gay that he would not uh suspect me to be a suspect. Mm-hmm.
5: So I'm okay. So the girls use it to their advantage. Let's right. be clear. Because so. that's what the narrative is
4: right now. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're well-spoken, if you're feminine, yes. yep. if you're...
5: You're safe yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're those things. If yeah. you're... To them, you're completely demasculated, but feminine men are the most, like, strong people I know. Like, they mm-hmm. can walk into any scenario and be utterly themselves and not feel any type of way or about care it.
4: care about...
5: Yeah. Yeah. The affairs of the world. I feel like the police. They don't scare me. Being a gay man, walking into a cookout, scare me sometimes more than walking into <laughs> no, a, a, like
4: straight, a, a straight, a straight, a straight set, like a straight yeah. set,
5: and I'm like dressed like how I want to dress. I'm cunt, and I, I'm feeling.
4: Yeah, this okay. Yeah. As someone who like knows the victim, I won't be able to put myself in the areas that this man is yeah. in. Like, Mm -hmm. or even put myself in a a situation to where we'll probably be at the same event or bar or place, you know.
6: That proximity is like (laughs) shocking. I Yeah. Um, And I think to me, that was also the outrage that we had at that point that not saying that that first victim was forgivable. Right. But Mm -hmm. to know that within a two year period. That there was another victim and nothing still to be done, not to see a pattern. And then for him to roam amongst his neighborhood. And let's be clear, no, he's seeking another victim.
3: One of the things that we suggested when we were even doing this podcast, that Ed Buck, we were like, Ed Buck's not alone. Like, this is just the tip of the—that's, mm. you know, that's how we sold the—that's yeah. how we told people that is the tip of the iceberg, that this isn't— Yeah. You know, there's— it, Am I right about that? There's so many Ed Bucks. Keep going. You were were saying?
5: No, there's just so many Ed Bucks. There's so many Ed Bucks. There's so many groomers Mm -hmm. um, to prepare you for Ed Bucks. Um, There's like systems in place. um, And some of them are unbeknownst to the people that are are, are doing it. And some of them are very, very intentional. Like literally, if I dare you to put up a grinder profile that says 21 with, like, a picture of a guy sagging his pants or something. The amount of people that will flood you with the party emoji mm. and, like, roses saying that they'll give you money and shit and, uh, Jen, I'm Jen, this BBC, I want to suck that dick. I got some drugs for you. I got some money.
4: Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of ads out here, but I feel like the drugs are going to get to the people before the ads get to the people. Mm. So I feel like um crystal meth is like a silent pandemic that's going on in the Mm -hmm. black queer community, especially ballroom. And I feel like with people hooked on these drugs first, they'll put themselves in situations to be taken advantage of by people like Ed.
3: If you're going to give somebody advice who is, you know, coming from St. Louis or Texas or Columbus, um, gay black man... Mm -hmm. Getting on a plane, mm. heading to Los Angeles, what advice would you give them?
6: Stay true. Uh-huh. Stay true. Uh, what does c-
3: that mean when you say stay true? Help me understand. So,
6: um, and that was going to lead me to my next point of uh, your focus. Always remember your why. Mm-hmm. What What was that motivation, that fly, fire beneath, uh, and the wind beneath the wings, too, that had you come here? Right. And I realized always uh, being at the foundation, the basis of my why, has kept me... Right. Um, it also has helped me not only navigate the terrain, but allow, uh, to me also, to withstand like the blows and belts of life. Because that's one thing when I realized I fell in love with Los Angeles to me, even the struggle became so beautiful, mm-hmm. to be honest, because um, I knew I belong here. So I knew with that, having that sense of hope and foundation and knowing that I belong here, I knew it was always going to work out, and it has. I'm six years in and still believe that the best years of my life are here to come. And as I tell people when they move her, I always tell them, trust me, you, st- you stick it out to the best years of your life will happen here.
5: Right. Find your tribe. Find some people that think higher than you. Some people that are elevated. Some people that want to be in positions that you want to be in. Or some people that are in positions that you want to be in. Come on and do the work. It's time. I'm also saying that to myself.
4: Um, This is Callie speaking. I would say your faith will get you very far. Sometimes you're going to be put in situations to where you're not going to see a way out or you're not going to have the solution or the answer. But ultimately, I feel like if you stick to what you know you set out to do, especially moving to L.A., then it'll get you very far. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to—how do you avoid someone like Ed Buck?
6: (sighs) Plainly for me, I just don't date white— that's oh, just me Prevention damn. is better than cure My God it yeah, I'm just keeping a hundred Wow Oh The the with the black ones, Mm. I just I don't date elders. Wow. (laughs) 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 So also, and this one thing I never—I was on set, and another fellow Gemini. shout out to the Gemini's. Mm. He was like his 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 safety barriers, five above and five beneath. So I I, so subconsciously I always look at that when I check age. Age wise, this is age wise. So five above and five beneath. I'm Mm. a healthy medium.
5: Okay. that's my okay. Ed buck prevention tactic, let's okay. be clear. Oh, for me, I w- uh, how you stay away from an buck is um, understanding that your worth is much more than $100 for, for a quick blow and go. A lot of it, um, it, it just goes down to survival. Understanding that tomorrow you will be alive and there will be an opportunity for you. Go mm-hmm. ahead, work at Starbucks, work at McDonald's for the time being. Clean toilets if you have to. There's always something else because you're worth so much more.
4: Um, my advice to be to stay away from any kind of ed books or to um try to refrain from doing hard drugs yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or. Substances that will take you um, out of your right mind, or take you up out of here. Okay,
5: <laughs> okay. Michael Jackson. No. Berkhead, Jackson I okay, uh, poor uh, Michael. Hey, who who, who birthday was yesterday Michael Jackson. Uh, okay. Oh, somebody else that was hey, taken too quick from a substance abuse problem. Mm. Mm. Propofol. propofol.
3: You know when you you were talking about when you come when you come to L.A. Mm-hmm. That you didn't that there was a whole array. Like you didn't know that there was like a system set up to prey on you. Yes, I didn't know. How do you, how
5: do we stop that from happening? By stopping the cycle with me. If anybody else, you know, had the power to do it, that's on them. But I know I do. So I can create safe spaces. I can um, get on platforms like this and tell young men that you have a choice and you're beautiful. I can tell my, uh, my elders in my community that you have a choice and you are beautiful. Um, and to respect the beauty of the youth um, because you were once young. And I want you to empathize. Empathy goes a long way. Um, with the older, older, younger, in between. Um, we shatter the system by being different than yesterday. If we expect the same outcome in the same space, that's insanity. We have to move if we want something different to happen. So I encourage everybody to shift the way that they think, um, and the way that they approach people. Love a little bit harder.
6: I'm a firm believer in shattering the system by being the biggest example. And historically, those are the uh, people that we remember in history. Right. Vibrant examples for whether. You could, breaking down the Bible, breaking down the, uh, the artists of time, like different little things were always ex- different examples that people who shook the system Yeah, up,
5: Jesus was sense. a system shatterer. Yeah, yeah, Technically, he was, uh, he was a all system gonna, shatterer.
6: Yeah, all, anybody through time.
5: So where do we go from here? How do we shatter the system and thrive in the new system that we create? Because if we shatter this one, we completely destroy it. So how do we build? What do we build? How do we build it? That's the next questions I want to ask. Not to answer today, but that's the questions I'm asking myself leaving here. Um, what can I do, and what does the system that I want look like? What can I do um, to be the best um, uh, 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 version of yourself? Yeah, how, what, how can I participate in this system and, and contribute to it the best that I can? That's the questions that I'm
3: asking myself. Well, in our business, they call that an ending. Mm. I think it's an ending. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you all yeah thank, thank you, you for you. having us
5: i love your voice okay. i know i, I said that
3: <laughs> next we wrap up this season with my conversation with the founders of the black and missing foundation we talk about why stories about black folks often get overlooked
1: become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from trinity school of natural health Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.
2: <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. A T.
3: This is Shattering the System. I'm Sonari Glenton. I wanted to end these stories about the lives and deaths of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dane with something that leads us towards some solutions. You know, it took a lot of effort to get the world to really pay attention to these stories. But it's not an anomaly that stories about crimes, about Black victims are often downplayed, or the plight of Black people is just completely ignored. Natalie Wilson and Derricka Wilson are the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation. One is a lawyer and the other is a journalist, and they came together to fight the apathy about Black people who go missing. So, you know, if you can walk me through the tragic event that, you know, my twin brother who doesn't exist goes missing, right? Break down what the response would be to that hypothetical missing person versus, say, a white person when they go missing.
9: Well, first and foremost, I think it's so important for your listeners to understand the process within the jurisdiction in which you reside. There is no holistic approach in the missing person reporting structure. Every jurisdiction can operate in the manner in which they choose. So, for example, some jurisdictions require families to wait 24 hours before filing a missing persons report. And we all know that the first 24 to 48 hours are the most critical moments, while other jurisdictions, they allow those reports to be taken immediately. Um, you know, Once that police report is taken, the next step is for law enforcement to enter that case into NCIC which is the National Crime Information Center. That is how law enforcement communicates across the country. So for example, if your twin brother went missing from California and someone comes in contact with him, law enforcement comes in contact with him in Texas or the vehicle that's associated with his disappearance is in Texas, once authorities run that tag, they will know that your brother is missing from California. And that is how law enforcement is to uh, operate in putting this information in, what we are seeing is that they are using discretion in these cases. Sometimes they may put them in, sometimes they may not. And when families go to law enforcement and they get that missing person's case number, They think that's a one and done. They are not aware that the other process to this is entering it into NCIC, creating a flyer to start circulating um, a BOLO, uh, be on the lookout, circulating within the department as well as within the community, notifying the media that there is a missing person within the jurisdiction because
10: awareness is key. And we know this. uh, There's a... Missing white woman syndrome that Gwen Eiffel coined. So if you're blonde and perceived as beautiful with blue eyes, you get that around-o'clock media coverage. If you are from an urban area, you know, the media isn't picking up the story or there's no interest in it. We weren't surprised about the study, but we were grateful that it was done and it's on our website. So your listeners can, you know, take the quiz and see how much media coverage they can garner if they disappear.
3: The white girl missing syndrome. Help me understand how that idea plays into why you do your work.
10: Well, again, uh, you know, stemming back to the inspiration behind the organization, Tamika Houston couldn't get that media coverage. Why Natalie Holloway dominated the news cycle. As a matter of fact, last week, they were talking about Natalie Holloway. Right. So if you go to Google and just see how many impressions, how many news stories have been been done on Natalie Holloway, Chandra Levy, Gabby Petito, and the list goes on and on it shows the inherent biases when it comes to coverage of missing black and brown women. And we can all name these these ladies, again, the Natalie Holloways, the Chandra Levy, the Gabby Petito, but can your listeners name a person of color that is missing? And just start with your community. Can you name someone? Can you name someone that on a national level that has gotten that that national coverage ever
3: like that's (laughs) that's that's a really interesting one ever like is there? i don't know of a name of a black girl whose name that has ever risen even close to natalie holloway who was uh missing on a caribbean island right and it it can't it caused a firestorm i mean are what are the what are the names that you know why don't we do that now and list some of the names that we Mm -hmm. should have known then
10: You should know Keisha Jacobs. Tiffany Foster. You should know Ariana Fitz. She was two years old when she went missing from San Francisco. Her mother was found buried in a grave in a park. You should know Relisha Rudd and Casey Young. Yep. There's so many you should know, so many names that you should know. Shariah Williams, Janiah Walker. Danielle Moss,
9: Leah McDonald.
10: And to learn more, you can definitely go to our website at bamfi.org and just start with who's missing from your community
3: and help find them. I wonder if there's a direct link between the lack of diversity in newsrooms and the alarm bell being raised about Black and brown people being missing. How does lack of diversity in the journalism profession play into the lack of attention to these kind of cases?
10: Well, that's one issue. You are right, lack of diversity. The decision makers in the newsrooms are typically middle-aged white men. So are they really telling the stories that matter to the community that they serve? But we also challenge newsrooms across the country to create a policy as to how they handle coverage of cases of missing people. So if you were to call a newsroom and another family calls a newsroom, who decides who gets coverage? And sadly, there is no policy to make staff aware so that they can prevent intentional or unintentional biases in the coverage of of these stories and also you know raising the alarm about the images that are used in news coverage when they're telling the stories are they showing you know a, a mugshot or a provocative picture that has been um you know downloaded from the missing person's personal social media platforms or so they're explain lots-
3: more about this like can you drill down on on images and how we talk about these victims a little more?
10: So the perception is many times, and we see this every single day, that the person that has disappeared, they have gotten what they deserve. They come from marginalized communities. And what we are trying to do is to change the narrative that these are our missing mothers and fathers, sisters, brothers, valuable members of our community. So what we have been seeing, the images that are being used for news coverage, they are continuing to instill that public perception and those stereotypes that this person isn't worthy enough to be found. And I'll give you an example. Um, There was a young lady missing out of South Carolina and we provided the media outlet with pictures that the family gave. They didn't use them. They went to her social media platform and downloaded some pictures you know, for her that she posted. And the community was outraged because it was a distraction from finding her. And it gave off that stereotype that she was promiscuous, which she wasn't, and it had nothing to do with her disappearance. And I'd also like to add, you're right. Sometimes what we do is very frustrating, right? But it's also rewarding when we are able to find someone and reunite them with their loved ones. And we know that that family can sleep at night. You know, and as we peel back the layers, we are realizing that there's so many systemic issues in our communities that need to be resolved. Homelessness, um, jobs, um, you know, mental health. And that's an issue that we need to talk about.
3: When you look at the homeless population, especially with young people, or when you see people who run away or those things, I have to imagine that a large percentage of those, of the black and brown missing people are gay and lesbian. Help me understand how being gay, or queer rather, feeds into this problem.
10: Uh, We are seeing, and we've had um, some cases, um of missing individuals from the lgbtq community and it's something that we are taking a closer look at to see how we can you know better support them and you know better s- provide them with the resources that they need it's it's new to us our focus is on men women and children to holistically help bring awareness to their disappearance and to find them. But we are seeing more and more LGBTQ members disappearing. So we're taking a look into that as well.
9: Well, there's certainly been an increase. 30% of missing persons in the United States were persons of color, and that number has since increased to 40%. So
10: the numbers are alarming.
3: Now I'm a journalist. What can journalists do in their newsrooms to make your job easier?
10: One, please reach out to the PIOs, the public information officers for these law enforcement agencies because they are looking for stories. They want to tell the stories. Um, Two, be mindful of the images that are being used when you're telling the story. And two, create a policy to even the playing field when it comes to missing people of color. Don't just dismiss, you know, the when you get the phone call and use your social media platforms. Yes, you may not be able to show it on the typical news cycle, but you can, you know, your personal um, social media platform or the news station. So there's so much change or advocating for change in policies that journalists in newsrooms
3: across the country can do. What about law enforcement? You know, if you can walk into, you know, L.A. or Detroit or one of those cities um, and change something or get them to change something, what would that be? Or what, what, well, what, would the, what would solutions look like in law enforcement? That's a better question.
9: Well, dedicating more resources to the missing person unit as a whole. When it comes to missing person, it's not considered a priority, especially when it's adults, because adults can come and go as they please. So, you know, when you're looking at law enforcement, they, their, their resources are dedicated to the homicide divisions, those high crime areas, but the stats don't lie. I mean, you know, with the number of people that are going missing every year, more Agencies need to have more bodies in that division and also seeing organizations such as the Black Lives Foundation as an ally. You know, we're not trying to overstep our ba- boundaries. We want to partner with law enforcement and we understand that there are limited resources right now. All these police departments, they're suffering from staffing issues, but seeing us as a valuable partner where they can utilize our platform to upload missing individuals from their jurisdiction so we can help bring awareness and eventually help bring them home. So those are a few things. And then enhanced training. You know, um, there needs to be that cultural diversity, that sensitivity training with law enforcement. You know, again, as I mentioned that there's a shortage. A lot of police departments are recruiting you know across the country and a lot of people that are on the force now are policing a community that they're not from and so that makes it very challenging when you're policing a community that you're not from to really understand that community so we really need to get back to the basics and we need to enhance the training and get rid of that classification runaway they're missing when it's a child and that child is missing. That child is endangered. And we know that every three children that run away are solicited for sex. Um, and then, lastly, the point that I would love to make is, you know, review those policy and procedures and get rid of that twenty-four hour waiting
10: period. And can I just add one more thing? I want to tell journalists why they matter. Well, one media coverage puts pressure on law enforcement to add resources to the case. And as Derek mentioned, law enforcement typically are not taking these cases seriously, but your coverage will also alert the wider community that someone is missing and it can increase the chance of a recovery because we know that within the first 24 to 48 hours are the most critical times.
3: That's Natalie and Derricka Wilson. They're the co-founders of the Black and Missing Foundation. You can find them at blackandmissinginc.com. That's blackandmissinginc.com. We've covered a lot of territory over the course of this podcast. Ed Buck is in prison, and that was a real victory. Ed Buck wasn't allowed to kill gay black men with impunity. What was true when Ed Buck was on the streets is still true now, sadly. It took a whole federal case to get Ed Buck off the streets, and that's still infuriating. You know, I see a direct line between Letitia Nixon and Mamie Till, the mother of Emmett Till, and the tremendous effort that Letitia Nixon made to honor her son is a part of a very long legacy. I sat with Letitia Nixon at a bar after sentencing, and when I asked her what made her fight, she said, Jamel was my baby. And she said she didn't care what the world thought of him. She had to fight for him. And if Jamel Moore's death filled me with rage, then that conversation with his mother has given me hope. While the death of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean was senseless and it fills me with anger, more anger than when we started. And actually, if you are less angry after listening to this series than when we started, then we haven't done our jobs. While we haven't solved the problems that Ed Buck exposed in the system, hopefully we exposed the systems that allowed him to get away with it for so long. We sought to honor the memory of Jamel Moore and Timothy Dean. And I think of a quote from the Holocaust survivor, Ellie Wiesel: for the dead and the living, we must bear witness. Not only are we responsible for the memories of the dead, we are responsible for what we do with those memories. Well, that's our show. I'm grateful especially to all the folks on this team, the individual names that I will read in the credits, this team that has given me so much space and grace to tell this story. For them, I will be eternally grateful. Let us know what you think. Leave your thoughts about the series in the comments. Is there someone who's using the system to cover up their crimes in your area? What's the system you think needs to be shattered? this is shattering the system the true crime podcast that's about more than crime i'm Sonari glinton thank you so very much Shattering the System is a production of Macro Studios and iHeart Podcasts. I'm your host, Sonari Glinton. Follow me at S O N A R I 1 on Instagram. Our series executive producers are Charles King, Asia Corpus Wynn, Roy Orecchio, Jonathan Unger, Lindsey Hoffman, and Sonari Glinton. That's me. Our show is co written and produced by Ralph Cooper III. Erica Rodriguez is our associate producer. Dana Conway is our archival producer. Chris Mann is our audio engineer. Sound design and music provided by Chris Mann with Podshaper. Special thanks to Karen Grigsby-Bates, Portia Robertson-Migas, and Lisa Pollock.
1: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com.